Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Thanksgiving edition of the Action Network NFL betting podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and this is your NFL week number 12 preview. I'm joined, as always, by my Action Network colleague and the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky. Happy Thanksgiving, Stucky. How's it going? It's a wonderful time of the year, but the, the days leading up to it are are brutal. But happy to do it in order to get this podcast out the day before the holiday for everybody. Absolutely. Uh, probably going to be pulling an all-nighter tonight. This is one of our, I think, our latest recording episodes since, I want to say, last, last holiday season. I know we did one at like 3 a.m. So, yeah, man, given the people what they want and hopefully what they need before we kick things off three very quick reminders number one if you plan on betting the nfl this season and haven't downloaded the free award-winning action network app what are you doing it's got betting tools analysis from me stucky the whole action network team and it lets you track every bet that you make if you want a chance at a free Vegas vacation, don't forget to enter our free custom weekly DFS contest, the Action Pods Tournament of Champions, presented by Bet MGM by following the link in this episode description. And in case you didn't realize it, the holiday season is here. We're going to have snowy overs to bet on. We're going to start adding eggnog to shit for no reason. Jets players are getting a jump on clearing out their lockers. All the holiday traditions are here. And now the Action Network is offering its best price of the year on our pro subscriptions. So go to actionnetwork.com to become an Action Network pro subscriber for 50% off. That's just $49.99 for a full year of access to our projected NFL spreads and over-unders powered by myself, Stucky, Sean Corner, 
uh, all of the NFL experts here at Action Network. It's a great product. So uh, if you want to get that, be sure to check it out. It's got alerts, pro system picks, so much more. And if you're already a pro subscriber, then give a subscription as a gift. Find a gambler less fortunate than yourself. Maybe someone who just keeps betting on the Eagles to cover like me in a losing effort. Either way, don't wait. This pricing will not last. Just go to actionnetwork.com to buy now. And speaking of now, we got three games, so let's get right into it right now. We're going to preview each of the three Thanksgiving Day games, then go into our Sunday six-pack, our favorite totals, all that good stuff. And we're going to end with a very special draft, which uh, you guys will just have to wait and see uh, at the end of the show. But let's talk some Thanksgiving football. Happy Thanksgiving, gamblers. We're thankful for you. All right, first up, we have the Houston Texans going to Detroit, who annually plays on Thanksgiving. Detroit! This time as a two-and-a-half-point home dog with a total of 51 are the Detroit Lions uh, against these Texans. I mean, last week, shutout. 20 zip by a team starting an XFL quarterback. This just felt like rock bottom for Matt Patricia. I mean, they have to be one of the poorest coach teams in the league, them and the Chargers for sure. There's there's a lot of interesting – look, a lot of the things we're going to talk about tonight on a Tuesday night, there's going to be more uncertainty than usual. So make sure that you check out a lot of our written stuff and then follow us on the app for what we bet. But we still don't know if – Kenny Galladay is going to play, right? We don't know if DeAndre Swift is going to play. The Texans have a horrible run defense. They have no interior defensive linemen. Their linebackers are awful. But Adrian Peterson is awful. So if the difference between Adrian Peterson in there and DeAndre Swift and the Lions running game, because they just insist on running it no matter what, is pretty massive. And the Lions offense, the difference between their passing game with and without Galladay is also massive. I don't know if it's – it's a little like chicken – what came first, the chicken or the egg thing here? Because Stafford has struggled of late, and in the past he's struggled a little bit more when Galladay isn't in the lineup. I think this year or the last no, the last two years his touchdown-interception ratio is almost double when Galladay's in the lineup. But last week he only completed two passes longer than 20 yards. Is that because no Galladay, or is it because of his his hand? So he has – you know, torn ligament in his throwing hand. And if you go back, he's been in the league for about 12 years. Back to 2016, he sprained his right middle finger on his throwing hand. He threw five picks in 19 quarters um, while he was wearing like a fingerless glove. They beat the Bears in the game that he was injured, and they lost their final four games. And then if you go all the way back to 2011, he played through a broken right index finger. And... The Lions went one and two in those games, and he threw nine interceptions in three games. So he says he's fine and he's playing through it, but there's also the other factor here that maybe Stafford is hurt, and that's contributing to as well. If if both Galladay and Swift aren't going, I can't play. I can't play the Lions because also with questions with Stafford, I don't think that he'll be able to take advantage of this Texans defense. And Deshaun Watson is just playing at an extremely high level. I've tunsil back his left tackle. 
Um, we'll have his left guard back this week, too, after they both missed last week. They've both been excellent in pass blocking. Um, and the Lions' defense is just a mess. They don't really do anything well. Akuda's really struggling. Trufon is struggling in their man-heavy defense. So I, I don't see much value in this line. I was thinking about maybe teasing the Lions from plus 2.5 to plus 8.5. It fits that criteria. But I'd have to first wait to see if Galde and Swift are in. If not, this might be a pass for me. Um, and if you made me bet it without Galde and Swift, I'd probably bet the Texans. Yeah, I mean, hearing you talk about Matthew Stafford, and that's a really great point because I was kind of thinking that myself about is he just playing hurt? Because it's really inexplicable to get shut out by the Carolina Panthers, regardless of who's in the lineup, just by being Matthew Stafford. Like you – be, the, the fact that he's Matthew Stafford is the reason the Lions should not score uh, zero, be stuck on zero points for 60 minutes. So I feel like I should just fade my model, which, yeah, I, I, th- I have this about a pick uh, you know, and there is, you know, a healthy Lions team, you, there it would be some value there. But I feel like betting on the Texans, winning the bet, and just listening to the announcers talk about how tough Matthew Stafford is for 60 minutes while the Lions score like three points against a terrible defense. Like, I feel like, I feel like I see that coming. Yeah. I mean, the Panthers have an awful defense. <laughs> I know. Like you've been, you've been saying this for like weeks, like even when their defense was overachieving, you've been like, Hey, his defense is awful. And like, if you would have asked me any defense that was going to get a shutout, like a shutout, like that's the Carolina Panthers getting a shutout on anyone is absurd. So that now we're on a short week. So Maybe if this was a Sunday game, you know, you know, it would be a little more favorable to the Lions. But situationally, you know, the more I, I kind of dig into this, I, I don't see it looking, looking that great for Detroit. I mean, the one thing about the Lions is – and this – I think even Dan Quinn kind of had this working in his favor for a while. It just lasted too long. But the Falcons players, for the most part, loved Dan Quinn. Like, he was kind of a player's coach. You know, the word from a lot of the sources, you hear that the, the Lions players, uh, that locker room really not sold on Matt Patricia. So just because he's fighting for his job here and it's coming off a really brutal loss doesn't mean uh, they're going to kind of give it all they got. Now, maybe they will because it's a national TV game. Who knows? But I just see at this point more red flags, I think, for the Lions in a, in a close, what, you know, is uh, on the market as a close game. All right, let's go to the second game uh, of the day. 4.30 p.m. Eastern, the Lions-Texans at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Then we have Washington at Dallas at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. Dallas, three-point favorite, impressive performance last week. You were on it, stuck uh, against Minnesota. Dallas kind of showed that, you know, they can, they can still be a respectable football team. They finally kind of got and enough of the guys on offense involved at the same time and, and were able to, you know, not just completely collapse under pressure. And, you know, I thought the offensive line did a lot better job. They moved some pieces around there. So Dallas looking a lot better than they did the last time these two teams played and Washington just walloped them uh, 25 to three. I'm thinking we're expecting a little bit of a different outcome this time around at the same time. I still don't know if Dallas should be favored by three points uh, against anyone. What do you think? I've been higher on Dallas than I think everybody over the last – I mean, I've been, I was on them against the Eagles. They should have covered. I was on them against the Steelers. They covered easily. And I was on, on them against the Vikings, and they covered easily. Now, I think the market is caught up, maybe a little overreacting now. I make this like 2.8, and I was 
and I've been higher on the Cowboys than almost everybody. If you go back to that that first Washington game, when I think Dallas only scored three points, I think they lost 25-3. to One of the biggest differences now, I mean, Andy Dalton obviously got – he cleated and was out. It was an ugly hit. And then you had Ben DiNucci come in and it was ugly. But Dalton wasn't doing anything either. You had in that game, you had a rookie center who's now been replaced by Joe Looney. Joe Looney's not great, but he's playing a lot better than the rookie out of Wisconsin. And then you had Terrence Steele at right tackle. Per PFF, Terrence Steele is the 77th ranked offensive tackle out of 77 qualified offensive tackles. Now, who you have in there is one of the best offensive linemen in all of the NFL in Zach Martin, who's playing really great. He played right tackle last week and was awesome. And that's huge against Washington's defensive line. And Washington's secondary is playing really well. It's really amazing. I mean, you have Fuller's playing really well. And they benefit from the pressure that Washington generates, no doubt. And Ronald Darby's playing real. All these Eagles cast off corners. The Eagles defense stinks. And you have all these Eagles cast off corners are, like, playing out of their minds. Who, who do we have? We have Rasul Douglas, Sidney Jones and Ronald Darby. But so the Washington pass defense is by a lot of metrics, top three, top five in the league. A lot of it has to do with that defensive line, but the Cowboys offensive line is much improved now. Everyone shit on, on Mike Nolan and rightfully so, but it was a new system. There was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of injuries as well, but people were out of place. There was miscommunication. It just seems like, and look, they cut some guys and I think that woke everyone up. I just think that they're now Everyone kind of knows where they're supposed to be. The Cowboys are playing much better than they were that first time that they played Washington. I think the line is a tad high. I make it 2.8. Maybe if you want to tease Washington up, I don't think that that's a terrible idea. The Washington offensive line, by the way, is playing really well. Their running game as a result has been pretty good. Passing game, it's basically just McLaurin, but... Yeah, I think that this will be a close game. This game is going to go a long way into deciding the division. Crazy enough, uh, the winner of this game could be, you know, in the driver's seat in first place in the division uh, in a week or two. Uh, so maybe T's Washington here. I see a tad bit of value on the under, but nothing I love here. Yeah, I think, you know, this could be an under game. I think I lean that way. I think the Cowboys, like, they have the edge here, but – not to the point where I'd be betting on them to win it by more than a field goal, which is what you're essentially doing. Uh, but, you know, Alex Smith, he's still kind of doing what he's known to do, which is throw short of, of the sticks uh, very often. He doesn't go that deeply down the football field. And Andy Dalton, you know, getting a little better protection. I think he'll take some more shots. But you look at how he's – him and the Cowboys are matriculating the ball down the field, and it's really – okay, we're going to get CeeDee Lamb going. He's kind of a slot receiver, not going as deep as he was early in the year as far as his route tree. And then Amari Cooper is going to catch some some kind of intermediate throws. And, and you're working in Zeke and Pollard. So I think both of these teams are going to, kind of, even when they throw the ball, uh, will not be taking a ton of shots down the field. So, yeah, I, I think if I had to play this game, I, I would go under. The total, by the way, is 46. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those low total games, but could certainly uh, not see a huge scoring game uh, out of these two teams. The 830 game, this is the one I'm really excited to talk about. I'm actually working on a piece uh, on the Baltimore Ravens and particularly their offense, Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, can he regain his MVP f- form? What exactly is going on? You know, what, what, what has kind of changed? Certain things are obvious. The O-line has, uh, you know, it's a shell of what it was when they were, you know, doing what they do last season. 
but there, there's, there's a lot of different factors kind of contributing uh, to the Ravens funk. But at the same time, it's only been a couple games. I mean, they've lost to some really good teams and uh, they go to Pittsburgh now in kind of a desperation spot here against the Steelers, the total 44 and a half, uh, the big news here, some COVID implications, running back J.K. Dobbins, running back Mark Ingram go on the COVID list. We are recording this Tuesday night. There's even been whispers of a possible postponement, though I don't think that will happen because this is the game uh, on Thanksgiving. And you know, given that the Steelers are undefeated and the Ravens are kind of on the teetering on the edge here, this is this is a big game. So I doubt it gets canceled, but stuck. What do you think about the Ravens here in, in this desperation spot? You would think at least uh, the effort from them will be top-notch. Look, I would love for this game to be on Thursday night, Ravens-Steelers, but I hope for my wallet and others who've tailed me that it gets postponed to Sunday. Um, not only because Calais Campbell, Brandon Williams will most likely play if it's moved to Sunday because they're out on Thursday, uh, but I can – get my money back on my plus three and a half that I bet 10 minutes before the COVID news broke. So I do think that if you can get fine and you might have, you might have to wait till after the Steelers game. If you could find like the Ravens 20 to one to win the Super Bowl, take it. And the reason is they have to figure some things out on offense, which I'll get into, but they're going to, they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, even if they lose to the Steelers, they, they still have on their schedule, the Bengals now without Barrow at home, the Jags at home, the Giants at home, and the Cowboys at home. So those are 10 wins. On defense, they have arguably the best defense in the NFL. They have all the pieces that they need. And two of those most important pieces are Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell up front. They're two of their best run defenders. And without them, they just can't defend the run. When they're not there eating blocks, it exposes Patrick Queen, who's been horrendous when he doesn't have space to just run free and Malik Harrison their rookie linebackers are very small they're quick and they can't really shed blocks and they're getting crushed in run defense the difference in run defense without Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams is is just massive and if you look the last time these two teams played they held the Steelers to 220 total yards completely shut them down this is how the Ravens their front seven looked hey Calais Campbell won't play Brandon Williams won't play Pernell McPhee Outside linebacker, won't play. Jimmy Smith might not play. So, and who knows if there's going to be other people. So their defense is obviously just a shell of itself. Now, for this particular matchup, I don't necessarily think the Steelers will really take advantage of the weak Ravens run defense. The Steelers haven't been running the ball well at all this year. And they don't have a a Derrick Henry. And their offensive line is just playing much worse. So on that side of the ball, I think the Ravens will hang. And yeah, this will be a max effort game. Against the Titans, it was such poor tackling across the board of missed tackles that, yeah, this team will be fired up. They have the corners, even if Jimmy Smith isn't there. And I just don't think the Steelers' offense is that good. It's average at best. And Roethlisberger was limited with a quad. First time he popped up on the injury report. Same with Juju Schuster today. But the Steelers have played the easiest schedule in the NFL to date. Here's the defenses they faced. Ranked 7th, 10th. Seventh was the Ravens, by the way. They, scored, they, they, got, they had 220 yards. 13th, 16th, 22nd, 26th, 28th, 29th, 30th, and 31st. They basically, I mean, they basically faced every worst defense in the NFL. How about the offenses that they faced? 
22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th, 26th, 27th, 31st, 32nd, and 14th and 3rd, the Titans. And the 14th is the Ravens. So they faced, from a DVOA perspective, one, one top 10 defense. I guess Denver's in there now. And the Ravens dominated them. They faced three backup quarterbacks, Luton, Triscoll, and Gilbert. But that said, their defense is very good. I don't think anyone will argue that. It's one of the best defenses in the NFL. The Ravens still have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Their run defense without these guys is not that great, but I don't think the Steelers can take advantage. So I think this is an under, I think this is an under game. Without all the injuries, and I, I played under 46, I'd, I'd play under 45 still. Down to, I wouldn't go 44, but I'd play under 44 and a half. Teams have adjusted to what the Ravens want to do. Lamar Jackson loves throwing into zone defenses, and he's not the most accurate passer in the world throwing into man-to-man coverage, and that's what teams are doing more often now. I think they're going to have to run Lamar a lot. They're going to have to do a lot more. I mean, this they, you could argue it's their season. We don't know what's going to happen with the rest of the AFC. I know they have a really easy schedule down the line. But I think you're going to have to run Lamar wild. You're going to have to design a lot of runs here because the Steelers have slow linebackers. And he put up – look, the Ravens put up 470 yards against the Steelers' defense. So I, I, this Steelers team is overrated. They're 10-0, and 0, but they've played nobody. So I think the Ravens can hang around here. The injuries are just a killer. But I, I think this line is getting out of hand now. I loved it at three and a half, assuming – even assuming that Campbell and Williams might not play. Now that – I wouldn't have played it knowing who's out now and knowing that they're not practicing and, like, it, it's on a short week. It makes it a lot tougher. But at five, five and a half, I would lean Ravens. This game should be close. Uh, but my favorite play here now is the under. But the, the Ravens have to adjust. They have to adjust to the league uh, because the league has adjusted to them. The defense could win a game or two in the playoffs, but that's the ceiling. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating because the Ravens are starting to remind me of the Steelers in a way. It's like really good defense and an offense that could be their downfall. But it, it, it is odd that, you know, as good as Greg Roman – and Greg Roman has done great jobs with, like, Tyrod Taylor. Colin Kaepernick like he's he's taking guys that were supposed to have little to no future uh, or at least you know long term as starter futures in the NFL and gotten some really good seasons out of them but like I think he it's just weird that he hasn't anticipated some of these adjustments because it was clear I thought from last postseason's loss to Tennessee that okay you go through the season, you just rampage teams. Uh, Lamar is putting the fear, it, it, the fear of God in defenses, and then Tennessee figures you out. And it just seemed like, yeah, I get that there's been injuries, but that's another thing you have to anticipate. I mean, everyone talked about it. You know, the Ravens were like one of the most lucky teams injury-wise. Like they, they had great injury luck last year. So, like, I just feel like there wasn't a lot of anticipation, and it's setting Lamar up to fail in a way if, like – you have your, your best receiver is Mark Andrews. And, you, you know, I know he has the he, – he, deal, he deals with uh, diabetes, if, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. Mark, yeah, so, like, I know he's not, maybe not going to play every snap. He's not a great blocker all the time. So, you know, you use him more like a slot receiver. But you have your best receiver, and he comes off the field, like, 30 to, you know, percent or more of your pass plays. Then you have your other best receiver in Marquise Brown, and you know you haven't really adjusted to the fact that de- defenses are playing less zone, and you're, you're using him on a lot of low percentage routes, which would be fine if like he was you know uh, a decoy who could open things up for other guys. But 
in reality, the other guys are Miles Boykin, who barely ever gets open. Devin DuVernay, who's average, you know, great on special teams, average depth of target is like uh, five yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Des Bryant now, whose average depth of target was two last week, and he gets no separation. Uh, a fullback or the second tight end is on the field over half the time. And then the running backs don't really give you much in the past game uh, outside of maybe Dobbins, who, you know, up until very recently was kind of just being taken off the field for Gus Edwards, even in passing situations for no rhyme or reason. So it's like, who is Lamar Jackson supposed to throw to? And it'd be one thing if like your play action game was just pristine, but that's not happening this year. And it just feels like this is like a slow to adjust situation. Now, I, you know, part of it is just everything kind of went wrong at once, but uh, for a, for a coordinator who has just taken these quarterbacks and, you know, kind of devised these great plans for them to, to succeed. It's just odd that, um, you know, I mean, when Lamar called them out, it, it's kind of clear. I think Lamar is like, okay, you know, enough. And, you know, it's just kind of odd to me that like it's, it's taken so long for him to, to flip that switch and, and kind of change it up. I, I lean Ravens uh, too. I think this line is a little bit out of hand and I just think we're going to get like, you've talked about this so many times, like Mike Tomlin's a rah-rah coach and just everything that's kind of developed with, you know, the COVID and, and the Ravens offense struggling and Bill Belichick throwing shade and, and the Steelers are undefeated. It's like, it took a lot of the rah-rah out of, out of this for, for his side that you kind of want in this divisional matchup, it, it, all, all the adversity and kind of the desperation favors the Ravens here so I, I lean Ravens and, and yeah I agree on the under I think I think you know though the Steelers their offense is I've talked about this you've talked about it it's it's not great um you know so you're just hoping that no crazy turnover luck things happen or a Rayleigh McLeod like jet sweep 80 yarder but uh I think uh, I think we'll see a lot better Ravens team uh this weekend yep Ravens at the edge on special teams too remember that as always so, you know, for you guys out there, if you want to see all the things we're betting for this game, I'm sure uh, I'll throw in some props into the app as well. Uh, be sure to follow us on the Action Network app. Stuck's at Stucky2. I'm at Chris Raybon. And check out actionnetwork.com or the app for uh, all of the content uh, on the three games and uh, into the rest of the weekend. And, and speaking of Thanksgiving football, BetMGM has a great sign-up offer for the Turkey Day games. New customers can bet $1 and win 100 in free bets if any team scores a touchdown on Thanksgiving. Just sign up and make your first bet using bonus code ACTION100. Download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTION100 to bet $1 and win 100 in free bets. If any of the teams playing on Thanksgiving score a touchdown, as a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. All right. It's enough Thursday for now. Still got Sunday to get to. Let's get in to the week number 12 Sunday six pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six pack. All right. We are on to week 12. You are up 32-26. I mean, the Eagles just, just Carson. I, I don't Unreal. know how Carson Wentz does this week in and week out. It's like 
I feel like when the Eagles approach the red zone now, it's almost like an automatic that if they're approaching the, the red zone early in the game, Carson Wentz is just going to throw a pick. Like, it's, it's becoming absurd. And this asshole goes down and gets scores a touchdown late. So then I – because I bet them two plus three and a half. So then I have to regret and think about the safety he took because that ended up being the difference. It was disgusting. Uh, so Carson Wentz is just – he's just been a, uh, a nightmare. I still don't think the Browns are very good. And now it's like they get the win over the, the, uh, the Eagles. They're seven and three. Their point differential is still negative 23. And now they face a tanking Jaguar squad. So, you know, it's still kind of tough to, to bet against them. So just uh, did not enjoy – Carson Wentz's performance uh, in that spot. But let's get into the Week 12 six-pack. I have the first pick. I am going with the Tennessee Titans, plus four, for my number one pick of the Week 12 Sunday six-pack. Plus four at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. Listen, Tennessee, they've been here now for what? Maybe the last... Ever since they inserted Ryan Tannehill, which is around week seven last year, you look at the Colts. What did they do last year? They started off pretty good. Faded down the stretch. They shouldn't have won that game versus the Packers. I don't know what happened to the Packers. I mean, you know, it's, it, it wasn't anything egregious as far as like, okay, Aaron Rodgers has this meltdown under pressure, but they get up 2014 and, and the, Colt, uh, the Packers scored three points the rest of the game. So I, I'm not really sold on this, on this Colts team. I've been saying it all year. I think – uh, they play. They have some effort on defense, but uh, the Titans are a team that they have enough offense to sh- just straight up outscore the Colts. And on the other side, Phil Rivers, you have the uh, you know he's got a sore toe, which I don't know what that means. They're subbing in Jacoby Brissett all the time. Philip Rivers, I mean, watching that Green Bay game, it felt like it didn't even feel like the Colts won. I mean, Philip Rivers was just you know his stats look decent, but you watch him play, and I, I think the every time that he drops back to pass. Like, Frank Reich and that coaching staff has to just be holding their breath. And, and to top it off, the, the offensive line is so inconsistent. It's like they, they have talent on paper, and they make some good blocks. But there was a point in the game where they could have put away the Packers. And what, was there like five straight penalties in a six-play sequence or something ridiculous like that? I mean – They had just, nine holding calls. Yeah. And, and, and then you look at the previous game, which the Colts end, uh, ended up winning – in you know the score looked pretty lopsided, but the Titans and, and this is this is what you worry about when you bet on the Titans. But what was it? A block punt, massive special teams errors that just essentially handed the Colts the game. But now you're looking at the Colts be a favor by more than a field goal. I don't buy it. Uh, this is a team. The Colts are a team that could win any game. They could also lose every game. Derrick Henry got got going against them in that first matchup. You know, that's, you know, a little bit of the worry is like, okay, you know, is Derrick Henry going to be able to have a big game? But this is the time when Henry starts heating up uh, every single season. And you just look at the Titans play, and I just think they have an edge to them that I don't know if the Colts have. And, like, the Colts have been the Colts have been getting lucky over these past two weeks. You know, they were lucky with those special teams mishaps and what could have been a lot tighter game. Uh, and then – they were lucky that the Packers and just kind of went away and just stepped aside for 30 some odd minutes of football uh, last Sunday. So, you know, kudos to the Colts. Frank Reich always does a great job, but uh, a divisional game late in the year, getting more than a field goal for a team that I personally think is better, even with the defensive struggles, because offense is more important than defense. And the Titans have a top three offense, according to DVOA. 
A.J. Brown just makes like one ridiculous play a game. Uh, and we've seen the thing about the outliers for the Titans, like we've seen them actually sustain this outlying success in, in, in the things that really matter, which is, which is like red zone uh, offense. So, yeah, are the Titans going to make you nervous on special teams? Sure. Maybe don't bet them as a favorite, but just as risky as betting on – or more, I would actually say after watching last week, that, that betting on Goskowski uh, is betting on Phillip Rivers uh, to cover you uh, a game and, and, and get a third straight win. So love the Titans this week. I expect them to, to win this game, to be honest. Fair, but it's uh, I got bad news for you. It's plus three at BetMGM. Oh, okay. I mean, I, like I said, I'm, I'm taking it. They're gonna. I think they're gonna win. So it doesn't matter to me. I'll give you three and a half. I bet plus four, so I agree with you. I'll give you three and a half, and I'm gonna ask for a half point somewhere else some, at some point today. It's Thanksgiving. Oh, I'll be generous. I, I, I appreciate um, it. I make this two. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction to you know. The Colts beating the Packers, everyone saw it. Um, the Colts beating the Titans a couple weeks before. I mean, the, the Titans' offense, despite some of the offensive line injuries, uh, it's been awesome. And yeah, this is this is the time where Derrick Henry just starts abusing tired defenses and breaking tackles. You saw it in the game winner last week. He's kind of like Joe Mixon's kind of like that too. Uh, they just crush in november and december yeah so i agree with you i think the one thing to watch here again it's tuesday there's there's just a lot of injuries on the titans offensive line we'll see but uh i don't think that it would be enough to make me make this line colts minus three or above odori jackson is he i think he's just a a figment of our imagination (laughs) um so all right for my first pick and the second overall in the Sunday six-pack, I am going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hold your nose after what we saw last week. Plus three and a half at BetMGM at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. I Look, this is my first couple picks are just going to be pure buy low, sell high spots in the NFL, which are my favorite. Everyone last week saw the Bucs look horrendous against the Rams. And kudos to... The Rams for that game plan, for their execution. The Bucks tackling was so bad. You expect a much better effort from the defense. And I would hope that Allie Marpet is back, which I thought he was going to play on Sunday. And when he doesn't play, he's one of the best guards in the NFL. Everyone shuffles around and moves positions, and the interior was so bad, and they couldn't get any run game going. Tom Brady might be, I don't know, just a little more washed than some people think. It's the fourth time they played a top-10 defense, and – you couldn't do anything. But they were in third and long all day. They still shred average to bad defenses all year long. and still have the talent on the outside. They should be able to run the ball here against the Chiefs, who are still one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. The Chiefs also aren't getting any pressure. Like, it's, it's crazy. It's basically just Chris Jones. Frank Clark's having an awful year. Uh, there, there's no linebackers here. There's no edge rushers. They have to scheme up all their pressure. And they've played no they, – they have not impressed me against any – good offenses this year everyone was so impressed with the Ravens game well look we've seen what the Ravens have looked like since but the, the they played the Raiders twice and the Raiders put up what 75 points and cars thrown for 600 yards and six touchdowns this defense is not great there's a reason that they're going out and they're trying to get DeAndre Baker and, and there's just not many people playing that well enough Marpet's back which he should be it's like a third week of concussion that's huge to try and contain Chris Jones who can get so much pressure up the middle which can 
mess with Brady in that offense. But I think Tampa will move the ball at will. Tampa I still have. Look, I know what happened last week. I still have as a top five team in the NFL right now. I think they're fifth or fifth or sixth. I had to downgrade them. I upgraded the Rams. And I still have the Chiefs as the number one team in the NFL. But I make this line like one, one and a half. So I will gladly take three and a half. It's basically just an overreaction to what we saw last week. Maybe it's just because Brady, we, like we say, it's Brady's bedtime, past Brady's bedtime. But this isn't an elite Chiefs defense. And the Bucs have shown with all that talent that they can still move the ball against average to below average defenses when they're playing elite defenses so far. There's definitely a problem. But, hey, look, Brady after a loss, talk about it all the time, 33-12 and 12 against the spread, 73.3%, covering by an average of six points per game, 45% ROI. That's number one out of 203 quarterbacks in our Bat Labs database. Uh, so I'm sure you'll get a completely focused effort here from the Bucs. I know they're in a short week, but the Chiefs are coming across country after basically locking up the division. I'm sure their offense is four points, as it always does. Um, but the Bucks have a really good defense, have a chance to maybe get a stop or two. I think this game will come down to the wire. Would it shock me if the Bucs won? No. Would it shock me if the Chiefs won? No. I'm basically just taking the three and a half. If it was two and a half, two, probably wouldn't take it. But last week's performance against the Rams gets us the hook here. I'm buying low uh, on the Bucs and taking three and a half points at home. I mean, this is this – is- Another one of these fascinating spots because it's like I, I was like joking but not joking the first time I said maybe Tom Brady is just sleepy you know like he had like that that senior moment against the Bears and they did and they do it again against the the Giants but they pull out a win okay then they do it against the Saints then they do it against the Rams it's like I, I mean this is in it, it kind of also makes you think back to and this is the one thing that concerns me like I hate. Hate, hate, hate the fact that I'm all ready to like bet on the, the Bucks here. And they're, yeah, I have one and a half as well, but I hate that they're going against like the best coaching staff in the NFL because I am also starting to think about a little more about what Dan Orlowski said. Like, is it, this team has so much talent and they, they have so many letdowns. Like, is it, is it game planning? I, cause like last, last, uh, on Monday night, you look at the, the way that the defense is set up. I know Marpet was out. You know, I know the Rams, you know, have Aaron Donald, but like, there was just, it seemed to just be no intention of handing the football off. Like it wasn't, I don't know if they like couldn't run the ball. They just didn't try. Like this was kind of a 50 attempt Brady game the whole way. And like the Rams did that too, but they like, they had a reason like the Bucks defense in run defending the run is excellent. But the Rams, you can, you can run on the Rams and the Bucks have played a lot better when they can run. And I just, I mean, and then Brady's just going to Antonio Brown every play. Like, is this, is this like, is there just kind of like some, some friction maybe between like Arians and what he wants to do and then Brady and kind of letting him hang himself or something? Cause it's like, I just, I feel like there's something a little off here w- between Arians and Brady and just uncharacteristic uh, moments. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that gives me confidence in that department is because I do think establishing the run and having a complimentary run game is important for Brady. Also, when you play the Chiefs, it's important because not only can you run on them, it keeps Mahomes on the sideline. After they put up that stinker against the Saints, when I backed them when they went to Carolina, Ronald Jones ran the ball 23 times for 192 yards. The, the Bucks ran the ball in total in that game 
37 times for 210 yards in that game. And the Panthers are a comparable run defense to the Chiefs. Um, obviously, the Chiefs have a much better offense. But then Brady, he still threw 39 times. But he threw for 341 yards. But he had the run game there. And he had more manageable third downs. He wasn't just in spread shotgun on third and nine trying to throw slants to Antonio Brown the entire game. So I think the run game is going to – they should be able to run the ball here. That'll help them. That'll keep Mahomes off the sideline. I think that they've shown that they can do it against average to below average defenses. I think the Chiefs overall are a really bad run defense and average overall defense. Yeah, but there, there's something that is off against these – just the offense goes to shit against any defense with a pulse. Uh, but I have to back them here based on my number at plus three and a half. Oh, no, they're totally the right point. I'm, I'm surprised we have come to the end of talking about this game. And you have not mentioned what I think is a, is a key loss for the Chiefs on special teams. Byron Pringle. Like, he's, he's one of their best sure. special teams players. Like, special teams guy over here, Stuck. I'm surprised, man. Like, I, I thought for sure you were going to drop a Pringle reference. But, uh, yeah, he, he got – Well, don't you worry because I, the, I, the other special teams thing is ever since on that – the, I, I don't even know who it was. Was it Romo, actually, who I like? Someone on a national broadcast was like, Harrison Butker is the best. It was during the Raiders game. He's the best kicker in the NFL. Since then, which is the most r- ridiculous <laughs> statement I've ever heard, since then he's missed, like, he leads the league and missed extra points. He misses an extra point once a week. So if the Chiefs are down by three late and Mahomes goes all the way down the field, scores a touchdown, as he's prone to do, Maybe Butker misses an extra point for us and we cover the plus three and a half. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. For my number two pick of the week, number 12, Sunday six-pack, and the third overall pick, I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons, plus three, home dog, letdown spot against the Las Vegas Raiders, who just play their best football against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, like... It's becoming so absurd with this Raiders team and how good they're playing against the Chiefs that not only are they, you know, putting up big numbers on their defense, but Patrick Mahomes has two picks this year, both against the Raiders. Nearly 300 attempts against everyone else doesn't have a pick. First of all, that's just ridiculous. Like, in the age where we're talking about, you know, Lamar and, and, and him struggling, it's like Patrick Mahomes just continues to, to be. But I digress. The Raiders, short week. You just like had a game that, you know, emotionally, I think it's going to be a letdown. And this Falcons team, I liked them last week. They didn't show up on a road. Sean Payton, great game plan on both, you know, both sides of the ball, really. And the Saints defense starting to come together. But Falcons defense still, I think, is improved uh, a lot since you had Raheem Morris take over for Dan Quinn. And this defense for the Raiders, this is not like the Saints defense. Like the Saints defense is number, number five, top five now in DVOA. You're going against a Raiders defense that is nothing like the New Orleans Saints defense. And, and last week, 
the Falcons were the play because you were trying to take advantage of some uncertainty there with Taysom Hill. You know, would he be able to to make it through a game? Of course, you know, Sean Baton, he wins that round. So, you know, salute to him. But now you're, you're going through a letdown spot. You have the number 24 defense in DVOA. The Saints were number three. So Falcon, the Falcons scored nine points. Uh, that is very uncharacteristic. Uh, Julio probably misses this game, to be honest, but it's a lot different for the Falcons to lose Julio mid-game when they think, you know, when they plan on him playing because their receivers all practice in very specific spots. If you notice, you know, when, like, it will be like Blake behind Ridley and Zacchaeus behind Jones and, and Powell behind Gate. But when they have a week to prepare, you know, for a Julio absence or Ridley absence, then that's when you kind of see them mix things up. Uh, I think Zacchaeus uh, does have some talent, but this is just a, a buy low spot. Buy low, sell high. You know, the Raiders didn't even win last week, but apparently they've arrived. You know, the Falcons, really, this should have been their first loss in the, in the Morris era. They, you know, Todd Gurley mistakenly scored a touchdown against the Lions, and so they lost that game too. But uh, this has clearly been a better team. You look at the, the defense in the five games with Quinn, 38, 40, 30, 30, 23 allowed, average 32.2. In the five games under Raheem Morris, 23, 23, 17, 27, 24. A lot more respectable. I think Keanu Neal helps a lot. Uh, I thought Sean Payton just put on a clinic last week. The Falcons linebackers looked confused all game. They didn't know whether to look at Kamara, whether to look at Taysom Hill. They forgot to cover Emmanuel Sanders at times. I mean, uh, just, just kind of a, a bad game. That, But now you're back at home. And this is like my, one of my favorite by lows, you know? So it, it might seem like a, an odd play or one that's kind of like uncomfortable, but you look at these spots and his, especially with an offense like this, with, you know, still some playmakers going against a bad defense, even if Julio's out teams that score under 10 points. And it's a really kind of a swift discrepancy. It's like when, when the market, when the casual better sees a team that gets held under 10 points, almost always is their value on the other side in the next week. Underdogs who have scored under 10 points uh, the week before versus a favorite, as long as that favorite isn't coming off a bye, are 251, 174, and 10, 59% uh, on you know, over 400 game sample size dating all the way back to 2003. That's a 15% ROI. This season, in case you're wondering, you now talking about a trend going back to 2003 at 59%, is it, is it stale? Eight and one this season. Uh, this is just one of the best buy low spots in, in NFL betting. Home dog for the Falcons in a game. You know, Raiders have been playing real well, but uh, they didn't make a stop. And, you know, for, for a large portion uh, of that game against the Chiefs and uh, the Falcons, just as easy as they can kind of lay an egg. Uh, they can get right back to it, especially with a week to prepare if, if one of their key guys is going to be out. So love the Falcons at plus three, the home dog uh, against the Raiders. Oh, and one more note, another one uh, that's interesting to point out. When you see, when you see spots like this, uh, it also kind of goes into the buy low narrative. But unders that you know open lower than three, and, and usually it's around two five, they get steamed to three. Uh, 38 and 18, 68%. Uh, so just, just, a, just a great spot where no one's going to trust the Falcons after they don't even put up 10 points last week. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm, hope, I'm hoping that Julio plays, and I'm sure if he gets announced in, this line will probably tick down, but I may get one. 
And with both of these offenses going up against questionable defenses, probably a coin flip game and maybe who has the ball last. And yeah, it is a, a letdown here in a buy low, sell high spot, which is why you're probably getting three. And yeah, I think that the Falcons defense have been playing a lot better over the past couple of weeks. I think that they prepped for Jameis and then they didn't know who was going to play. And then, so there was, you know, Friday they did get announced that Taysom was going to start, but you probably already implemented your game plan. Maybe you were, doing 50-50, and so I think that the Falcons' D has been playing a little better than they were earlier in the year, and uh, they shouldn't have any problem. Matt Ryan shouldn't have any problems before last week playing extremely good football, moving the ball against the Raiders' D. The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. For my second pick of the Sunday six-pack and the fourth overall, I am going with the San Francisco 49ers plus seven. At BetMGM, they if are. The, if you want that half point, you can. Have yeah, it. I'll take that. I'll yeah, take yeah. that half now. There you go. Um, thank you, sir. Uh, at the Los Angeles Rams, um, situationally, I mean, look, this is a. If the Rams lost by four, seven, three, this line's probably five or six. They, the Rams, are traveling again. That was their fifth trip out east. They are now in a short week coming back out west. This has got to catch up to them eventually. While the 49ers are coming off of a bye, and they're basically playing for their season. I mean, they lose this game. They're out of playoff contention. Um, and they should get, maybe, again, it's Tuesday night, a number of players back. I think Richard Sherman's going to come back. That'll be huge. Jason Verrett is playing really well at one corner spot. Debo, Samuel, they can it just they just need him on the offensive end. They could do so many things on he should come back. Mostert and Coleman, they might come back as well. So this team might be a lot healthier. Now there's a big elephant in the room is there's a bunch of 49ers on the COVID list. You have six starters. Armstead, Kinlaw, they obviously need them uh, against the Rams. Um, Ayuk, Trent Williams, he Trent Williams is probably not gonna play. Um, DJ Jones. So that won't help if all those guys are out, but I'm hoping that they're contract, they're contract tracing and then they will be able to play. Um, but look, the first time that the Rams played the 49ers, the 49ers shut them down. It was 24-9 late in the fourth quarter before a late Rams touchdown. Especially now if they get Sherman back, they excel at stopping the run, stopping the short pass. It's how you really contain this Rams offense. You're also giving McVay a short week. You know, so he's – it's not like he has seven. He's got to fly back. He has this full 
seven days to prepare a game plan for the 49ers. I'm sure he spent every waking hour preparing for the Bucks. So that can only help the 49ers here, who've had two weeks to prepare for the Rams. Um, so I, I think this is a good spot to get the 49ers catching seven, seven and a half uh, in a buy low, sell high spot. And uh, yeah, I think that this is the, Look, the 49ers have been playing – look, they went to the Saints, and they were catching 10 at the Saints, and they should have won and covered with ease, if not for some muff punts. Hopefully they don't muff any punts and some awful official calls, but they should have covered that with ease. I thought that line should have been like six or seven, and now they're going to the Rams. I think the Saints are a couple points better than the Rams. So I think this line should be like four and a half, five, once you account for a short week and the 49ers coming off of a bye, getting a little healthier, assuming some of these guys on the COVID list come back. So I think it's a good spot, good matchup, and uh, 49ers will be able to run the ball a little bit. Yeah, give me the 49ers here, plus seven, plus seven after their season. Let down, sell high on the Rams here. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, this is a, a game I had my eye on. I have it at five. You have it at four and a half. So we're pretty much in line with our power ratings for this spot. Um, you guys, of course, can check out our uh, pro lines uh, in the Action Network app. So um, those are kind of where, you know, those are derived from, from our projections straight up and uh, showing some value here. Uh, I did want to get your opinion because you, everything you said is 100% correct. Just more generally on these type of situations. covid Things could go either way. We haven't, you know, for the most part, we've seen guys get activated, you know, day before the game or so. But how do you treat this from a betting perspective where, uh, on one hand, as it currently stands, there's probably, I would say, a good, you know, point and a half at least of value on the Niners, but also knowing that it could potentially move the other way and give you even more value if, uh, some guys get ruled out. Like, how, how, do you, how do you treat this situation? Do you kind of hedge? Do you put, like, maybe half a unit uh, of what you would usually play? Like, any, any tips there? And also, home field isn't as, as big, by the way, in divisional matchups. Um, and I have home field around one on average in aggregate. So, and, and the situation here, that's why I have this at four and a half. Part of the reason. In this case, I see a lot of value at four and a half. If I had to adjust for a lot of these players – I would still have this line under seven. And if some of these players get ruled out, it's not great for the matchup, but the line is seven. What would it go to nine? I don't think it's going to cross 10. Now, if the line was two uh, plus two, then I would probably wait because if they're ruled out, then I can get plus three. If they're ruled in the line comes down and I have to take plus one or pick, it's not that much of a difference between plus two. Uh, so it's going to depend on the discrepancy between where the number is and where my number is, and then also where the actual spread sits around key numbers, et cetera. Definitely. And, and, and to, uh, to tie a bow on it with the Niners, a little bit of recency bias. You know, they've lost three straight games where they've been the underdog in all three, but uh, for his career, Kyle Shanahan uh, still covering as an underdog at a 56% clip. And before those three losses, Saints, Packers, Seahawks, their previous two games as an underdog were against the Patriots and the Rams. They won those games uh, outright, 33-6 to over the Patriots 
as a three-point underdog, uh, and then they were a two-point underdog in, in a game that I think we were both on in a, in a massive way. Uh, they won that game against the Rams, these, these same very Rams. So this is a – the 49ers are kind of a, a, a mind fuck, for lack of a better term. Uh, they are usually at their best just when you write them off. And uh, also kind of a, a, another great buy low, similar to the Falcons, a underdog an, – oh, an underdog historically on a three-game straight-up losing streak, uh, regardless of what happened against the spread. But just straight-up three-game losing streak. In that fourth game after that, losing, uh, after that three-game losing streak, 171, 126, and 9, 58% since 2003, according to our Action Labs data, including 8-4 and four against the spread this season. So, like that. Yeah, that just speaks to look. Team lost three in a row. No one wants to bet them. You get an extra point or two. Right. And that's, that's, that's what we're doing at this point in the year. I think, you know, yep. it's, it's, uh, it's that time where you're just kind of playing, playing the market for uh, kind of overreactions. All right. For the number five pick in the Sunday six-pack, my last pick, I am going with the New York Giants minus five and a half at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the podcast. And this is really simple for me. Usually not a team I'm going to be betting on uh, as a favorite. But Ryan Finley, I just think he's very bad at quarterbacking. And I think the Giants are a very well-coached team. And I think there were huge red flags with Finley in that sometimes backup quarterbacks actually have an advantage. And in these kind of spots you don't have a film on them uh, or whatever not but I think the two red flags I see with Finley are number one you also usually see backup quarterbacks have some success in you know when they come in relief because the defense hasn't prepared for them and they they can usually get a few passes off Uh, that did not happen for Ryan Finley in in the spot against the Washington football team but on top of that this isn't a new quarterback this is a guy who did get three starts uh, around this time last year. And the Bengals failed to score 13 points in any of those starts. So this is a game where I think the Giants are clearly the better team. Uh, I think Finley, you know, even from Burrow, who, you know, had his ups and downs, offensive line, had him under siege in a lot of spots. He wasted early part of the year targeting A.J. Green way too much. But uh, I still think this is a pretty significant downgrade uh, from Burrow to Finley, uh, just talent-based, just based on what we've seen out or what we haven't seen out of Finley. Uh, you're also, you know, the weapons are kind of shaky as well with no mixing. You're going with some AJP Ryan and Gio Bernard in the backfield, which normally would play a bigger role in a, in a game like this where, uh, you know, under normal circumstance, I think this will be a winnable game for Cincinnati. But uh, this is another spot where Giants tend to be at their best. Uh, on the road, they are nine and two against the spread in Daniel Jones's career, and I think they play well. I think they're the far better coach team, and you also have now the superior team, without a doubt, coming off a bye and road favorites off a bye since two thousand and three, doubling up against the spread sixty four and thirty two with a few pushes in there, but that's a sixty seven percent success rate since two thousand and three for road favorites off of a bye. And uh, I think this would be a good one for, for Joe Judge in this spot. Yeah, I make the line 
kind of spot on, but I don't hate it. I, Ryan Finley's awful. Um, and as a result of Burrow going out and Ryan Finley coming in, I mean, I had the Bengals at like nine, 9.2 points below average. I mean, only the Jets are worse now. Yeah, I would not want to be backing Ryan Finley. All right, for my third pick and the final pick of the Sunday six-pack, I am going with the Denver Broncos plus six at BetMGM at home against the New Orleans Saints. Now, what this look, what this comes down to, I was on the Broncos last week too. It's scary backing Drew Locke. Um, the defense is playing really well. Um, they have a number. I mean, their safeties are excellent. They probably have the top one, two or three safety groups uh, in the NFL with Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. There are corners with Bouye, who maybe he's over the over the hill and wash. He's, he's 30 now and not grading out well. But Callahan's playing really well. But they just have a number of other guys that are playing well. That They, they, they have these fines on the defensive line. You know, Chubb is obviously back. The defense is a top 10 defense pretty much by any metric you look at this year. So are the Saints. I love this under, by the way. The Saints have a historically great run defense. Top 10 DBA of all time. Teams aren't even trying to run on them at this point. And so do the Bucs, too, before last week. I don't know if they still do, but both teams this year. And the Saints have a really good run defense. You could throw on them a little bit, but then you're, you're relying on Drew Law. But basically what this which – which can be scary, which I'll admit. But basically what this game comes down to is I love the under. I think it's going to be ugly as hell, and I make it four. And why I make it four, some people might differ. I think a, a couple of our analysts too. It's basically what how I grade out – because I have the Saints as the graded out as, rated as the best team in the NFC. How you grade out Taysom Hill. And I think – I am not high on Taysom Hill at all. Um, last week, you know, I think that they benefited from it being his first game starting. He was only used in gadget plays and put in, like, the best situations. The Falcons didn't know he was going to be the starter until two days before, and they still didn't probably know for sure if Peyton was going to bluff or not. And he played well. I mean, he – one of his – he wasn't – didn't light up the scoreboard against a really bad Falcons defense, by the way. Now he's going up against a really good – Broncos D. One of his longest completions of the of the day was what a thirty yard pass downfield that he underthrew by fifteen yards. And Sanders had to come back to get it. I mean that ball's picked all day against Denver by their safeties. So I think he's going to make a couple mistakes here. The Broncos have film on what Peyton wants to do with him now. They know he's going to be the starter. I think he's going to struggle here in Denver against a really good defense. If you believe in Taysom Hill as a quarterback. You probably might like the Saints here or might make it six or seven. I think this is an ugly game where six points at home is just too much for me to pass up on. Uh, so give me the Denver Broncos. Drew Locke season. I get it. I, I, I'm i not there. I, I have it around, I have it around uh, six. Um, like, listen, I was wrong about the Miami Dolphins last weekend. You were on that. I, I just – I can't I, – I rewatched the Taysom game twice because it felt like he was having a really bad game passing the football and just kind of a nondescript game overall. But you look up and he's 18 of 23 for 233 yards, over 10 yards in attempt. Now, granted, as you mentioned, that duck to Emmanuel Sanders contributed to a lot of that. Uh, but 
the thought I just came away with from that game was like, wow, Sean Payton is really good at what he does. And I mean, last week at this time, I was writing an article about what looked like it could end up being a tight rookie of the year race with, you know, Herbert and, and, and Joe Burrow, and then Burrow gets hurt. And, you know, Tua was kind of working in the distance. I think he was way overvalued, but like still didn't see him getting benched coming. Right. Like that was, that was, uh, that was credit to the Denver defense, but man, it just feels like that was their peak. Now it's like, what, like Sean Payton just scares me in this one. That's really what it comes down to. But like the saints, they're not at home. They're in mile high. They have a quarterback, not named Reese starting. So it's like, do we take that into account or, and, and you know, great Fangio defense, uh, great, uh, secondary play. Or is it, is this just another continuation of, of what we saw last year where it was just like, okay, Teddy Bridgewater is one to know against the spread. Okay. He's two and oh, okay. He's three and oh, okay. He's four. Like Sean Payton, man, he's a, he's a scary dude to bet against that. That's, that's kind of where I have it. Uh, I'm not yeah, sure I mean, I, look, if Taysom proves it to me this week, if Taysom proves it to me this week, then I will give him a bump. This is outdoors with a team to time to prepare. And the difference between the Broncos and the Falcons defense and secondary specifically is massive. So that's what I'm counting on here. I'm giving the Broncos. All right. That wraps it up for the week 12 Sunday six pack stuck going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus three and a half at home against the chiefs, the 49ers plus seven and a half at the LA Rams, the team they beat earlier in the year and the Broncos at home plus six against the Taysom Hill led New Orleans saints. I'm going with the, Tennessee Titans plus three and a half at the Indianapolis Colts, the Atlanta Falcons plus three as a home dog against the Raiders and the New York Giants minus five and a half against Ryan Finley starting for the first time this season after Joe Burrow's season ending knee injury. Now let's get in to our favorite over underplays of the week. Uh, I went first for the six pack stuck. So who you got for the total? I'm going with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Cleveland Browns over 49 and a half. I love this over. Look, I think Minshew is going to play. Word is he's 100% and Luton is terrible. Uh, so I'm hoping that he plays. But even if Luton plays, maybe he can lead a few drives. It would get scary and I would not play it if Luton plays. I'm counting on Minshew playing. But look, the Jaguars defense is decimated. Decimated. Uh, they don't get pressure, the 30-second pressure rate, so we know Mayfield can have some success. The only guy who gets pressure on the Jags, Josh Allen. Well, he's out. They also, DJ Hayden, their, their safety, Daniel Thomas is out. CJ Henderson's on IR. Sidney Jones is bagged up. You might be starting here Luke Barco, rookie undrafted out of San Diego State. And Chris Claybrook's also got hurt last week. And – uh, Josiah Scott, a fourth-round rookie out of Michigan State, along with Trey Herndon. So you might be starting two rookies who have 23 combined starts, and Trey Herndon's been terrible for three years. This Jaguars defense is terrible. They also can't defend them. I mean, the, the, the Browns are going to be able to push them around, do whatever they want. Mayfield will be fine. They don't get any pressure. And it's maybe there could be a little rain, but it's going to be 76 and no wind. And the Cleveland Browns' offensive numbers are a little deflated because of they've been playing in these crazy weather games. Now, on the flip side, their defensive numbers, which is, which is really funny because their defensive numbers aren't even that great. Browns, from a DVOA perspective, grayed out below average on defense. And here are the teams they played 
offensives, DVOA rank, in the non-crazy weather games, the three non-crazy weather games. 22nd, 27th, 27th again, the Bengals. 28th, 26th, 16th, and 17th. Not one top 15 offense. They give up an average of 33.5 points per game. The only top – even if you include weather, the only top 14 offense they faced all year was the Raiders, and they played that game in 30 to 40-mile-an-hour wins. This defense is not good. They benefited from these three crazy weather games the last three weeks, and now they won't have their two best players in Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. So I think Mitch is going to play. You might get Chenault back. These, this will, these will be two terrible defenses uh, on the field. Browns should do a little more on offense in, in nicer weather. Their defense should get exposed. And the, the Jags defense right now is, with their losses, is horrendous. Give me the over. Yeah, I mean, they, they look like they're in tank mode right now. I'm so mad that this this kind of set up the way it did because I was hoping so much to be able to fade Cleveland uh, coming off just benefiting from – it's really been all year with them. But, yeah, I think that's, I think that's the right play given the, the Jags' defense. Uh, I am going with the Bears-Packers under 45-and-a-half at BetMGM. Listen, these two teams played twice last year as they do every year. In the two matchups combined, they didn't get over 45. 21-13 Packers in a 10-3 game. Uh, they scored 44 points combined in the two matchups. Uh, you may have some weather factoring in here as well. Temps are forecasted right around freezing. And you also have 15-mile-per-hour winds forecasted, when, which is when you really start to see a downtick in offense. But I have the Bears rated as uh, the lowest total team in the league. I mean, they're – just excellent on defense. They're they're not taking like a lot of unnecessary risks with that great defense. Like they're not they, they don't they rarely uh, blitz. So just kind of a, a defense that you expect to make Aaron Rodgers struggle a little bit. Uh, similar to the Colts in, in the second half last week. Similar to the the Buccaneers earlier in the year. But at the same time, it's like the Packers' vulnerabilities on defense are not going to be exploited by one of Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles, uh, with plays being called by, I guess it's Bill Lazor again for Matt Nagy, and the the Bears, you know, Bears kicking in 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 high winds. Like this is just not going to be uh, an offensive explosion. This is a kind of tailor made uh, divisional under with uh, two teams that have done that at a high rate. So in in the recent Matt Nagy era. 21-13, uh, You have to go back to the, the first meeting between these teams in 2018 on September 9th to find a game that went over the total uh, of 45, a 24-23 game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, in his career, divisional unders against the Bears are nearly doubling up, 15-8, and eight, uh, 65%. So, uh, just a just one of these spots for getting late in the years, getting colder. Aaron Rodgers had the had the big start. He always torches bad defenses, but uh, I think the Packers would be happy to just uh, play this one close to the vest. Uh, they don't have to do too much against this this Bears offense. All right, so that does it for the favorite totals of the week. Stuck going with Browns Jags over forty nine and a half, and I am going with Bears Packers under forty five and a half on. Sunday night football. We'll have a write-up for that one as well. So check that out. Now let's get into our favorite teaser of the week. 
Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers. All right, Stuck. Uh, as I mentioned every week, you have some great content out on teasers, uh, on the Action Network. So if anyone needs to, to kind of get more of a, uh, an overview on how to do this, go check those out. Uh, but essentially, uh, you're getting extra points. Uh, usually it's six. That's what we do here. That's the, the standard. Six extra points on bets that you can uh, combine. So if you're teasing an eight-point favorite, they become a two-point favorite, eight-point dog, 14-point dog, etc. cetera. We got this week for your two-team six-point teaser. Uh, keep it brief and simple. I think the Packers win. I'll take them under a field goal, and I think the Falcons at least keep it within one possession, so I'll take them plus nine. Falcons, Packers. Yeah, similar feelings about the Packers, taking them down to two and a half, and then teasing the Browns down to uh, minus one if the Jaguars hadn't just kind of put all these guys on the on the IR, and it, it would have been a – a little dicier of a spot, but uh, I think this is a good spot for the Browns offense. So Browns Packers, let's get right into our money line underdog parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the money line parlay. Your pick this week. Not gonna lie, I didn't quite see it coming. It is a stuck like pick, but uh, tell the people. Who you're choosing for your money line dog this week? Uh, going with the New York Football Jets. Woo! Um, 0-10 Jets at home against the Dolphins. This might be their last chance to win a game this year. Darnold might give it a go, and that'll really help this week because you need to be mobile against the Dolphins who are going to blitz the hell out of you. Uh, I've been calling the two has been awful for weeks. He should have thrown like five picks versus the Chargers. They were like going through guys' hands. He was getting extremely lucky. And then last week against the Broncos, he turned in one of the worst quarterback performances I've ever seen in my life. The Dolphins had like 80 yards through three quarters. And they're going to go back to him. So I know the Jets' offensive line has nobody left. Their secondary has nobody left. Uh, but the Dolphins aren't going to get defensive touchdowns and fumbles at the one, which they got again, and special teams touchdowns forever. Tua just hasn't impressed me. I think he's going to be good, but he's still a rookie quarterback. It takes time uh, sometimes. Some some guys it doesn't. So, uh yeah, just a feeling here. The Jets money to make this a game. I make the line seven, seven and a half ish. So there's no value in backing the Jets. So I'll take a flyer that you get a bad two a game. Although he might have a short leash, which is one of the reasons why it's tough in the bet. But yeah, give me give me the Jets. I mean that is that is the that is a hot take. I, I really didn't see that one coming. Uh, I I have it projected a bit higher though. I do think it's kind of a like situationally a little bit of better spot for the Jets uh, in terms of betting, you know, value, like the, the Dolphins have been uh, covering at a high rate uh, before last week. So generally you want to fade those kind of teams that's been profitable uh, in the past, but I, I do make it a little high. I, it's another spot where uh, I just think the, the Dolphins have such a coaching advantage here that uh, more of a stay away for, for me, but I mean, great value on the, on the plus two fifty uh, for stuck. I am going with the San Francisco 49ers uh, to pull off the upset against the Rams. Again, love the buy low, sell high opportunities this type of year. Rams coming off an impressive stretch, coming off a primetime defeat of one of the uh, best teams in the National Football League. But uh, again, the 49ers have won quite a few games you know, since Kyle Shanahan took over. 
uh, outright as an underdog. And this is a spot where they already won the first game. Now, uh, usually you see value on the other side in situations like this, but just because the 49ers have been so decimated by injury uh, and, and the Rams are coming off this, this kind of visible, national visible performance, uh, you're not really seeing that. So uh, plus 240, uh, we're getting the Niners that. So this is actually a pretty juicy uh, parlay. Uh, those two bets, if they hit, would pay out $1,100, nearly ten ninety on a $100 bet. So uh, this is quite a juicy parlay. Uh, should be an interesting one. But we're getting to that time of year where uh, we feel like we've seen enough to know what's going to happen. Uh, and then the week throws some curveballs at us. So uh, love getting the, uh, the big, uh, big juicy money line plays uh, at this time of year. All right. Now let's get into the best of the rest, which are the games that we did not hit on in any other segment. Stuck. We're going to start with, seems kind of like a similar spot to the last few weeks. We got the Cardinals, short spread against uh, another quarterback on the other end that can also run. We, we just had Cardinals Bills. We just had Cardinals Seahawks. And then we just had Patriots Ravens and Patriots Texans. So it just feels like the same matchup over and over again. But Arizona, two and a half point favorites going to Foxborough off the long week. Kyra Murray visibly bothered by his shoulder or Cliff Kingsbury or a combination of both or his, the fact that he still has to target Larry Fitzgerald 10 times. I don't know. Kyler Murray just – the body language was odd in that Seahawks game. And uh, I'm surprised it's not a bigger talking point because, I mean, Cam Newton, Blake Bortles, those guys got lit up for that kind of body language. But uh, uh, Kyra coming off a long week, what do you think about this game? Yeah, play calling was pretty bad too. I think the line is a little too high, but it's at two and a half. I make it like one-ish. I like the over. I played some over 48 and a half, 49 – the New England offense is playing a lot better now. The offensive line is just awesome, and it's healthy. And, you know, Damian Harris, maybe you get a lot more of him now. He's, by some accounts, been graded out as one of the best backs in the NFL. And then you have, you know, Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird are playing really well at receiver. Cam Newton over the last few weeks is playing well. I'm not a believer in this Arizona defense. I think that they've overperformed a bit. They just don't have much. And I think Patrick Peterson is right, – look. 30 years old, he's, he's past his prime, just like Gilmore might be. On the other side, Patriots on the other side, their defense is not good. They're 32nd DVOA. So I, I don't see them slowing down the Cardinals' rushing attack, Murray running the ball or throwing the ball. Um, it's just a rebuilt bad defense with a secondary that's on the decline. Uh, so I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Yeah, it's, we've had a couple of kind of lower-scoring Patriots games. After that, you know, of course, they go over uh, against the Jets a few weeks ago, and, and that's the game they, they get behind on. But uh, you would think that the Cardinals bounce back after a couple of shaky weeks and, and not really underperforming against that Seahawks defense. Uh, then we have Carolina. This game – Yeah, Cardinals number one in the situation-neutral pace, too. So they're going to go fast. Look at yeah, that, that, that's always the plan. It's like it's like the opposing forces uh, coming together. Uh, Carolina, this game has been off the board at, at many books. Uh, don't know exactly if uh, who's going to start at quarterback for Carolina. Teddy Bridgewater has a chance. If he does, I actually like Carolina in this game, but 
Uh, I think Minnesota has been a little overrated ever since they had that like, bounce back, uh, you know, as you detail last week. Uh, but it, it kind of goes the other way. You expect like a letdown if, if he's out. So um, kind of a, a, an odd situation, but four and a half with a, a total of 48, it looks like uh, at BetMGM right now. But that could obviously change by the time you guys hear this. Any, any thoughts on, on this one? Yeah, maybe look over, but you got to wait to see. Does Thielen play? Uh, he's on the COVID list. You know, does Bridgewater play? It doesn't look like McCaffrey will play, but the Vikings' defense is just not that good, and uh, Dalvin Cook should go wild against this Panthers' run day. I've had a good read on the Vikings all year, and I think this might be an over game. But, yeah, yeah stay tuned to app and uh, the content we'll have later in the week because we need a lot more clarity on who's in and who's out. Yeah, good. Kirk Cousins playing well uh, for Vikings. That that Jefferson pick just makes the Eagles' struggles look even even worse. The Chargers. Speaking of worse, the Chargers. You know, I'm kind of watching that game, uh, switching back and forth last week. I'm like, oh, well, you know, all it takes is the Jets for the Chargers to finally get their cover after it's just yeah, you know, everything's been elusive for them uh, over these past few weeks, more or less. And, and what do you know? Adam Gase decides to take another play call in the second half. The Chargers somehow do not cover against the Jets in a game that felt like they dominated for like eight quarters, but it was only halftime. Joe uh, Herbert had like 270, 280 yards and I think two or three touchdowns. So now five and a half, kind of a dead number, not, not quite six at Buffalo, total 53 and a half. Herbert versus Josh Allen, what do you think? Yeah, the bye came with the big coaching advantage for the Bills here. They'll probably find a way to win this game. Uh, I make this line around five and a half, six, so no interest for me. The, you know, Bills are in a good spot here off of a bye. They needed that bye. Their offensive line is finally now healthy. Their secondary is finally now healthy. One, they're going to get Milano back next week. That He really elevates their defense, so he won't be back. John Brown didn't practice today. Their offense is a lot better with him, and that's something to keep an eye on. But Chargers coming across the country – Taking on the Bills off of a bye, big coaching advantage for the Bills. They definitely get a bump for that. So I would lean Bills. This could be a high-scoring game without weather. I don't think that there's weather in Buffalo. A lot of times there is this time of year. But pass for me. Lines look about right. Yeah, I think what you said at the end, it's probably going to be a high-scoring game just because – Yeah, I think it could be a very high-scoring game. And The six-mile-an-hour winds in Buffalo, 50 degrees, a lot of times it could be way worse in December. That's not going to be an issue. So I think this could be a shootout. And uh, Bills – Probably find a way to win. Yeah, and, and they're also familiar with Anthony Lynn. Remember, he was uh, on their staff for, for a number of years. So uh, it, is, it is a good spot for the Bills, but just not really a lot of value. The Bills make me want to shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. Come on now, the Bills are making it happen now. That is going to wrap it up for the best of the rest. Uh, let's do the coach's pep talk. Today's Coach's Pep Talk comes to us from Joan Cusack and Steve Martin from the 1990 film My Blue Heaven. We're going to dedicate it to Ben DiNucci, Jimmy G, our producer, Matt, my man Stucky, and all the other Italians celebrating Thanksgiving this week. I was in a hurry. I was on my way to church to say a few novenas for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is not a Catholic holiday. Thanksgiving is very big with the Italians. Turkey cacciatore, sweet potato parmesan. There is no such thing as Thanksgiving in Italy. It is an American holiday. Ever been to Sicily by any chance? No. Thanksgiving is very big in Sicily. 
on account of the large number of Sicilians who went to America and then got thrown back out. Let's get in to the survivor pool pick real quick, and then we'll do our special Thanksgiving sides draft to wrap up the podcast. Survivor pool pick of the week. Here we go. One pick. One chance to advance. Survivor. All right, Stuck. So I, I actually picked incorrectly again last week for the second time this year after going perfect last year. Already two misses, Chiefs in week five, Vikings last week, big drop weight by Justin Jefferson. Uh, you had Pittsburgh. They covered, uh, they won easily. It's getting tough out. If, you, if you're still alive, who are you going with in week number 12? Five weeks, six, four weeks left, depending on your type of contest. Uh, all right, I'm going to go with the Vikings. I think the Vikings find a way to win. Dalvin Cook eats uh, against this Panthers defense. Um, Slim Pickens out there. Give me the Vikings. Yeah, oh, Vikings. I am on a clear regression path this season, uh, missing on two of the 11 so far. But uh, if I'm alive in a survivor pool, I think with the, the way this week sets up, it's a good week for some risk. So... If you're ever – usually you probably go through a whole season or two even without using the Giants, but Ryan Finley's just been so bad in every you know, moment I've seen him on the field so far. So, hey, you never know. It could change. He's a year better, but nothing in that game uh, against Washington showed us any different. So, I, I'll take the Giants this week. A little risky uh, and, and see if I can get an edge on some people. All right, let's make this a tradition for Thanksgiving – we're going to have a little snake draft to wrap up the pod of our favorite Thanksgiving sides. Stuck, you're up 32-26 in our uh, six-pack contest. So you, sir, have the first pick. What is the top side on Thanksgiving? I'm all about casseroles on Thanksgiving. I just want, like, big the big tinfoil, and then just it looks like slop, but it tastes so good. Uh, so I'm starting with green bean casserole. It's, I, ha- I think I only have it on Thanksgiving. I love it. I will put it on with everything. Um, green bean casserole. You? Wow. I mean, you in the, you're coming out at like, first you go with gangrene and you go with the green bean casserole. Um, I'm really happy that you chose that because I, I was hoping to get stuffing uh, with the first pick. Damn so it. yeah, I, I got to go stuff. I, I'm going to chalk here. Uh, my grandma, RIP, but uh, she used to make the, you know, the, the homemade stuffing with, uh, she would spend like, like a much longer time than you would ever imagine, like chopping up uh, bread into like little pieces. And so I, I love the homemade, uh, I love the stuffing. So uh, going stuffing with my first pick. Yeah, it's stuffing, it's, it's, it's like kind of like coleslaw. There can be good stuffing, there could be bad stuffing. And when it's good, it's really good. And it's one of those things you usually only have on Thanksgiving. So uh, that's a good pick. My second pick, uh, I'll go with another casserole. Like I just want a big plate with either like a duck leg or a turkey leg and then the casseroles around it, mashed potatoes and mac and cheese. But I'm not choosing them because I have mac, mashed potatoes and mac and cheese all year. But broccoli casserole. I, my uh, wife and her family make this awesome broccoli casserole. So that's where I'm going second. Ooh, I, I think I got to go mashed and gravy here then. I, I mean, I don't get to have it that much. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorite things. And uh, just something about it with the, with the turkey, uh, mashed and gravy, pick number two. All right, my final pick. Well, I had written down here those two casseroles and then stuffing. So I'm going to go with – this is just the personal one that my wife makes. It's these roasted, Brus- uh, roasted Brussels sprouts with, like, some pancetta, goat cheese, and it's, it's just bomb. 
And I love Brussels sprouts. They get a bad rep. So I'm going to, I'm going to pump them up here and give them some pub. So I'm going ro- roasted Brussels sprouts. Get a little greens in there. I love Brussels sprouts too. I actually have Brussels sprouts quite often. Uh, so I'm right with you there. Uh, for my third pick, I'm going to choose something that is going to probably come out of left field, but uh, it's something that you really don't have uh, other than Thanksgiving a lot. And uh, it's cranberry sauce, man. Like I love cranberry sauce, but like who has cranberry sauce, like just lying around in the house. Uh, and, and then who's going to think about it? No one, but on Thanksgiving uh, it's there. It goes with almost everything. So uh, going cranberry sauce, get a little chilled action uh, for my final pick of our Thanksgiving sides. All right. So that was a, that was a jam packed episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, no, we went long, tried to make sure we hit on all the three games since there's really nothing else to do, uh, especially in these COVID times. Hopefully everyone's safe out there. Um, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. You can follow Stucky and all of his picks in the Action Network app at Stucky2. Uh, you can also find him on Twitter at Stucky2 as well. Uh, be on the lookout uh, for all of his content uh, coming out this week. And uh, same goes for me. I'm at Chris Raybon on both the app and Twitter. Uh, best of wishes and, and, and safety. And uh, have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. Good luck this weekend. And let's get this. Happy Thanksgiving. We're finished talking.